It's time for the Daily Stand-Up Podcast presented by Agile Dad with your host, Lee Henson. Without any further ado, let's get started. A recent student pointed me to an article that they wanted me to review today. So I'm going to take advantage of that article. And uh, it was published by, uh, looks like Agile 42 published the article. Now, I don't know if they were the original authors or if this was a repost. But the article speaks to how does Agile make the workplace better? And uh, just from a brief read, I did a brief pre-read. And from the brief pre-read that I did, I think that this is going to be an article that I enjoy and that I am going to be in alignment with. So let's give it a shot. Here we go. So it says, Agile helps teams take responsibility. Right out of the gate, I agree. One of the principles of the Agile Manifesto says the best architectures, requirements, and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. This is true. Self-organizing teams choose how they will execute work so team members feel passionate and confident about their work. In addition, teams have more responsibility. The ability to self-organize allows for shared responsibility and ownership across the team. I love it. I even take it one step further. When I'm talking about teams and culture, a lot of times I'll say self-organization means that the team has some power or some ability to be able to help discern who is a good cultural fit for the team, I guess is the easiest way to put it. There are many times where I've seen in interviews where the team gets an opportunity to speak to candidates who are potentially going to be part of the team. And as part of that interview cycle, they discover whether or not they feel that candidate is going to be a good fit both educationally and you know has the right tools to help them be successful. But also, I find that sometimes they learn culturally whether or not this person is going to be a good fit. And what I can tell you is that those teams are the ones that are incredibly successful. So it's it's just, it's really, really interesting to see how it all plays out, right? But uh, that's definitely something that is to be considered and something that is definitely a good fit for most. Another thing that I discovered in the article is uh, Agile helps teams to learn and grow. I love it. It says Agile is designed to be iterative, and this approach extends to how teams operate. If you have that mindset, teams have an opportunity to continuously evolve based on decision-making capabilities. I love it. So yeah, so you can use that inspect and adapt empirical process, and that's going to help you get a lot further than you were before. How about this one? It improves communication and collaboration. Yes, yes, yes. Once again, the Agile Manifesto talks about individuals and interactions and places a great importance on teamwork. Absolutely true. I think that this is one that a lot of people forget. They tend to, when it comes to trying to reorganize or trying to become more agile, many people go straight to the people and start changing them around instead of organizing the work. And I think that if we have a, a, a regained focus on individuals and interactions and we focus our attention less on organizing people and more on organizing work and making work easier to tackle, those interactive cross-functional smaller multidisciplinary teams are going to be able to just knock it out of the park and i think that's where we need to be agile fosters freedom to experiment and be creative now i wholeheartedly agree but one of the things that i struggle with is that a lot of organizations that i go to they also struggle with this and, and i don't know that i can explain exactly why but uh, every experience is an experiment towards learning, which consequently allows people and teams to grow. So true. 
And I think that if teams feel like they have the freedom to exercise that creative muscle, that creative muscle is going to get stronger over time and it's going to help the team, any organization build successful products. So good call. The leadership style focuses on removing roadblocks. This is interesting because I'd love it if this were true. But what I've discovered is that a lot of times when you have this weird hierarchy where you have middle managers and other people there, uh, it, it makes it impossible for this to do. And they even point out here, they say middle managers are removed, which gives the team more freedom to make their own decisions and a self-organized according to their capabilities. While I agree with this, I think that sometimes the leadership at the top gets so worried about removing roadblocks that they tend to micromanage the system at the ground level. So you really need to be careful when it comes to leadership and removing roadblocks. My rule is to only get them involved when you absolutely need to. And it sounds horrible when I say it, but it's true. It's so important for them to understand that the decentralized power focuses on the team's ability to make decisions quickly and to remove their own impediments and to seek help from leadership when needed for impediments that they can't tackle. Okay, that makes more sense. It reduces stress. Oh my goodness. I just had this conversation the other day with a friend of mine. In agile or in agile organizations, items can be prioritized, excuse me, according to a well-defined product backlog. I love it. One of the things that I talk about in uh, my agile trainings and my advanced agile training specifically is a concept of objective stack ranking where you can flesh out a quick list and it gives you a stack rank list based on some criterion. So you can go in and you can say that uh, these three variables are going to contribute to my calculation. You can run an algorithm and you can see a spit out backlog according to those three variables. Now, what's interesting is that there are factors that will override those variables. So it's not like just the law set in stone, but what it does is it gives people an opportunity to begin with a list that's already somewhat sorted and somewhat ready to go. And it reduces stress because now there's everything's ready to go. Everything's good. So that way you don't have people who are constantly, you know, bucking to have things change in a list or being accommodated or whatever the case may be. If there are fewer things to throw the team off course, we have a backlog better organized. Next, it says it makes teams more adaptable. I do agree. And so does Forbes. <laughs> Organizations that are able to adapt the quickest had self-organizing teams that were autonomous, transparent, cross-functional, and decisive. I don't know. I need to add anything to that. That's absolutely correct. I think that if you have teams that are well-formed and teams that are groups of people that work together, that it's going to naturally foster the more adaptive mindset. So there we go. Speaking of fostering, it fosters more transparency in the workplace. I do agree. Transparency and openness are both fundamental to the Agile organization. Uh, for teams to reach their goals, they have to have a clear and shared understanding of the task at hand. I love it. Transparency can be fostered through use of tools, communication channels, uh, and techniques so that every aspect of work is available to the whole team at any given time. Okay, I love it, but you also don't want to be overbearing if it's a really large group. One of the things that I've seen in the past is in a large organization, Many people get hung up on what is everybody else working on, and they they get so enveloped in trying to figure out whether what they're doing affects other people or what other people are doing affects them that they lose their focus and uh, they lose that they lose that ability to uh, 
continue to be transparent because they they just they can't get any work done. So they they feel like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't get any work done because people are being too transparent. So I think you just need to be careful. You need to be careful with transparency and openness because uh, sometimes you know, maybe it's better to, and, and I'm not saying all the time, I got to be clear here, because I know Agile is all about transparency, but there are times where you have to have a private discussion. There are times where you have to have a conversation, and I'm not saying that should be all the time, but when it does happen, you know, you need to recognize it, right? So I think a mature team recognizes that transparency is important and should be fostered, but they also know when to have those private conversations. There, that, that was better. And last but not least, it makes teams feel trusted. I never, ever, ever liked the word makes. So I'm going to change that up real quick. How about it invites teams to feel trusted? There. So if in an agile work environment, everything is built upon trust. So this can be revolutionary for some workspaces, especially when they're working remote in other places. And this is the irony stripping here. I just had a conversation about this in a webinar that I recently did about how organizations and leadership are struggling with trust and some of the steps that we can do to regain that trust. And I just feel like right now, leadership are so sketchy about work from home. They're still sketchy about what people are doing, whether or not they're retaining the highest value. And they're looking at the odds and saying, it's become incredibly easier for me to just go out into the marketplace and hire someone because there's a global marketplace at this point. So leaders and organizations are saying, I don't have to find somebody that's close to home that knows what they're doing. I can find anybody that knows what they're doing. So it, it's quickly shifting from being a worker's market because there's so many jobs available to an employer's market because they can be a lot more picky about who they select. Really, really an interesting dynamic. But I just want to congratulate the team at Agile 42 if they did publish this because this is a really, really, really good article. Well, obviously they published it. But uh, I just wanted to, and it looks like it says, by Emily is what it says at the top. So I don't know who Emily is, but it's a great, great article because it summarizes some thoughts and things that people just don't want to say, right? Or things that people don't want to talk about. And it's just so important for us to loosen the belt, take a step back and just really assess where they are and where we are so that we can increase and improve our agility. So that's going to do it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it, as always, if you have friends, neighbors, people that haven't listened to the Daily Stand-Up, please invite them. We're trying hard to reach our next goal. We're trying to get to 100,000 subscribers. I know it sounds crazy, but I want to get there. It's going to take a little while, but I think together we can do it. So if you know anybody that you can introduce this podcast to, we'd love to have them on board. As always, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well, and stay agile, my friends. Until next time, do take care.